0: Good morning. Welcome to the Phelps Health Ask the Professional show. I'm your host, Paige Heitman. I've got my co host here with me today, Kayla hey everyone good to have you back kayla and today we've got one of our longtime veterans of the show dr brian creedy who's an ent or ear nose and throat physician back on our show today welcome back dr creedy thanks for having me back yeah we're excited to have you back you've got all your green on for saint pats unfortunately we don't but i think you've got us covered i'm a little disappointed (laughs) (laughs) i know you know i'm also disappointed myself so you're not the only one (laughs) so before we uh dive in talking about our main topic today of allergies Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at Philips Health, and what you can provide for our community. Sure,
1: so I'm a little bit of a local product. I grew up out in Washington, mm-hmm. Missouri. Uh, went to medical school at St. Louis University and then uh, joined the Army. I was in the Army for about nine years. Um, did my residency training down in San Antonio and got stationed at Fort Leonard Wood and we just decided to stay in the area. So we've been in Rolla since about 2010. Um, after getting out of the military, I uh, chose to work at Phelps Health, and I've been here now for, I think, going on eight, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, I do practice uh, ENT, or otolaryngology, as it's, <coughs> as it's known, and we do everything from what we'll be talking about today, which is allergies. We also deal with uh, head and neck cancers, thyroid issues, uh, sinus problems. We do some facial plastic surgery, any problems with the ears, swallowing issues, a whole host of things. Pretty much anything above the collarbones that doesn't involve a neurosurgeon we can do, so...
0: Yeah, sounds like you stay pretty busy. We do. And there's I guess a, we'll consider you a local now, too, right? Yeah, I, would, I would like to think so, yes. <laughs> Kayla. Um, so before we start talking, oh, actually, next question, what is an environmental allergy?
1: So we are talking about everybody wearing green today. So this time of year isn't always great for, for mm-hmm. some people in regards to the green as things start to, to bloom and pollinate. So what an environmental allergy is, is it's a an antigen that's produced by typically a plant, uh, a pet, a weed, grasses, things like that, that causes a response typically in your uh, nasal cavities or your lungs that results in things like congestion, uh, asthma, cough, runny nose, th- things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the worst seasonal allergy offenders? So you said green, so Mm -hmm. what are all those different types of things that are green that maybe could cause us to have some type of allergic reaction?
1: Yeah so that's a great question. Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately however Mm -hmm. you want to look at this, Missouri is blessed with uh, pretty four equal seasons. So it depends on the time of the year. Uh, The season we just came out of winter, we'll typically see more indoor allergies. As you know most things freeze and there's not Mm -hmm. too many pollens circulating in there. So in the winter time we see more problems with You know, things like dust mites and pet allergies Mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, as we shift into the spring season, we'll see things uh, like trees. So cedar trees are uh, pollinating right now. Oak and maple trees will be coming here in the near future as The weather continues to warm up. And so folks that have trouble in the spring typically have issues with trees. And then we'll transition to the summer. That's more the grasses. So typically when the farmers are cutting hay and so forth, uh, some people suffer quite a bit or, you know, cutting your own lawn can Mm -hmm. be a bit of a problem. Then as we uh, transition into the fall you'll see more things like ragweed uh, and things like that become a bit of a problem. So it just depends on the time of the year.
0: Yeah, grass is kind of a double-edged sword for me. I love mowing. It's I know usually my husband does it, but I love doing it, mm-hmm. but I always regret it because whenever I go to pour it out into a bag to put on the curb, the next day my face is just super <laughs> puffy. It can be miserable for people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so speaking of puffy faces, what are some of the symptoms of an environmental allergy?
1: So one of the most common things would be congestion and runny nose, oftentimes sneezing come along comes along with that. Uh, some people have uh, itching of their eyes or watering of their eyes, ear fullness, recurrent sinus infections, uh, sore throat. Sometimes you can develop some problem swallowing as a result of all the drainage. And then as the allergies continue to progress into the lungs, you need to think of asthma as like a, an allergy of, of the lungs, just like it would with your nasal cavity. So you can sometimes run into some wheezing and, and some coughing issues mm-hmm. as well.
0: So we've kind of talked about all the different seasons and the types of allergies that people might have. Um, how many people actually suffer from allergies? Is it something that's pretty common?
1: Uh, it's very, very common, especially uh, in my world. I know I come from a fairly large family. There, I have nine, nine brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'd say at least half of them have some form uh, of allergy. So, yeah, very, very common thing.
0: This is totally off topic, but I just recently watched seven brides for seven brothers and that just reminds me of your family. Now <laughs> I'll never be able to not associate that. Go. So how many shots are given each month at the Phelps health bond clinic for allergies?
1: Uh, it's kind of funny that you asked that. Mm-hmm. I actually know that number. It's somewhere in the realm of, uh, 700 is, is we have well, 700 patients. And each patient comes in uh, typically once a week for a shot. So in the course of a month, we'll probably do anywhere from 2,800 to 3,000 allergy shots. So
0: So I think that's kind of a perfect segue into my next question about immunotherapy. What does that look like? So those allergy shots that we're kind of talking about, let's just dive into that process.
1: Why don't we talk about testing first? Let's see how we go about uh, determining Mm -hmm. if we have allergies or not. So when someone comes in with some of the complaints that we talked about, that include the congestion, sneezing, Mm -hmm. runny nose, what we will typically recommend, and your family practice docs or primary care docs will recommend this as well, they'll recommend uh, uh, some form of antihistamine, you know, something like Claritin, Zyrtec, Allegro. And then you could add a nasal steroid to that too, something like Flonase, Rhinocord, Nasocord, something like mm-hmm. that. So if you do well with those medications, um, we typically say, hey, why don't you stick with those? It's just a seasonal thing. You probably need to take those medications during the spring, summer, or fall, depending on when your allergies are. And if you're good to go there, great. Now, the problem comes where if you're on those medications and you still have problems and or Mm -hmm. your symptoms are just really severe during certain seasons, then we say, hey, maybe it's time to do a little bit more and we would get you set up for for allergy testing.
0: So one of the different types of things that you guys might do for allergy testing is called a prick test. Sure. So what is that? What does it involve? Yeah.
1: So there's a couple ways you can go go about being allergy tested. There's a a skin test, which the prick test is Mm -hmm. a part of, and there's also um, a blood test we can do for this. I seem to think the skin test is a bit more sensitive um, and also adds a level of safety because we test you for the same things that we uh, give you shots for. So we know that, hey, you made it through the testing. You're probably not going to react too largely to what we're, we're going to treat you with. Um, so what we would typically do is we do start with a skin prick. In our office, we, we essentially just use the skin on your on your mm-hmm. forearms to do that. And it's just a quick little test to let us know how sensitive how sensitive you may be to uh, the antigens that we check. And we look for 24 different things that involve all of the things that we've discussed already. Based on your uh, skin prick reaction, we'll do some intradermal testing on the back portion of your arm in the area of your deltoid. Um, And that gives us a sense for how severe your reaction may be and whether or not you'd be a good candidate for allergy shots.
0: Why do you do the um, skin prick test like on somebody's arm? Could you do it on a different part of their body?
1: You could. Some allergists will do it on their back. It's just a mm-hmm. bigger bigger area. It's just access and mm-hmm. just e- ease of uh, where we can do the testing. So
0: Cool. Good to know. So what about children? Are they at risk for allergies as well?
1: They are at risk for allergies. And so in kids, it's a little bit more important. Um, you may have heard of something called the allergic march. At least in my world, we hear about it. So kids typically with allergies will start with things like eczema. That's a very, mm-hmm. very common problem uh, in younger age. And then as that progresses, you run into the nasal congestion, runny nose, things like that, ear infections, recurrent ear infections can sometimes be an allergy-related issue. If that continues to progress, sometimes kids can end up developing asthma, um, you know, uh, in, their, in their later years, 7, 8, 9, ten, year, 10 years of age. And for those kids, what we found is if we can get their allergies under control, we can oftentimes prevent that progression to the more serious forms of allergy like, like asthma.
0: So I'm gonna ask you something a little bit unusual. There's this idea of, um, this is how I grew up, just rub some dirt in it kind of thing, Mm -hmm. or like exposure therapy, so I grew up with, dogs and i was outside all the time and i remember eating um dirt with a spoon whenever i was a little kid i don't do it anymore wait you ate dirt
1: with a spoon yeah i was
0: i was kind of a very unusual little kid all i don't right. know maybe i was craving something metallic i don't know Listen, what was going i'll tell you on. that's
1: a that's a, a delicacy down south there's something called white dirt that i've heard of i don't know if you've ever heard of it something so i think of Georgia. salt when you say that yeah.
0: <laughs> okay so now that i've kind of explained this um if children grow up in a household without animals or exposure to these different types of um environments Are they more likely to have allergies?
1: I don't think so. So allergies are, uh, there's a lot we need to understand about Mm -hmm. them. Um, There's not necessarily a genetic predisposition to developing allergies. Mm -hmm. So if my parents have allergies, that doesn't mean I will have that. Mm -hmm. But it does mean you've got uh, part of their immune system and the immune system runs all of this. So you are susceptible to it. So there's things like environmental exposures, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. that can play a role that we don't fully understand yet.
0: Mm So let's talk about some of those risk factors that lead to allergies as adults. So one of the things that I noticed is whenever I was younger, I really didn't have any allergies. As I've gotten older, I've noticed that depending on the season, like spring and summer are usually um, kind of rough for me and I usually have to take something.
1: Yeah, very good question. We'll have folks come in in their 60s and 70s who say, I've never had any problems with allergies. And so they they present with some of the complaints Mm -hmm. that we talked about. I don't quite understand why that would mm-hmm. be and why at a certain age you would develop uh, those allergies. I suspect what happens is the immune system changes in some way and either you become immunosuppressed or some sort of uh, exposure has set your immune mm-hmm. system off. Um, so even things like uh, COVID, believe it or not, can really adjust the way your immune system responds to things. So we've seen a lot of folks that develop pretty significant nasal congestion that has persisted after something like that. So
0: I want to digress and talk about that for a second because mm-hmm. what you said I think is really interesting. So people who have had COVID or even long-term COVID, have they developed more allergies? Is that some type of like anecdotal stuff that's been going on?
1: So what I would say is we don't necessarily know um, Mm -hmm. if it's an allergy related issue. It could be that the immune system has just been altered to Mm -hmm. the point that you just have this inflammatory state where everything is just overreactive and you've got this congestion. So what we do see a lot of is persistent nasal congestion six months to a year afterwards Mm -hmm. and you know persistent breathing problems as well. You know is that allergies or is that part of the you know virus affecting the lungs? It's it's hard to say still, mm-hmm. but uh, I have seen a lot of that.
0: Wow. Yeah, more to come hopefully in the future on yeah. that, right? So um, people that do suffer from allergies, is there ways that they can purify their environments to relieve
1: some of those Oh, symptoms? sure, sure, sure. So in addition to... Don't go
0: outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, some people,
1: some people uh, yeah. have to stay in their house. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, because these can be rather severe. I know uh, my sister growing up, her face would swell up. Like she'd just, you know, gone three rounds with Mike Tyson. Oh, wow. She just wow. could not see. So she'd have to stay in in the early spring because she she suffered so badly with this. So there are some things in your environment that you can do. Let's just say, for example, hey, I've got a dust mite allergy. Are there things I can do at home that wouldn't necessarily involve you know medications or shots? And the answer is absolutely. So air purifiers uh, can be a big, big part of that. So something with a HEPA filter in it. Um, there's different uh, pillow and mattress covers uh, that can help uh, mm-hmm. with that as well. And then as we mentioned, you know, during your bad seasons, it's, it's going to be rough to get outside and do things like mow the lawn mm-hmm. or, or go out for a run. It, it can be difficult.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people that just kind of uh, pushes through the pain. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever you mow outside, you also get a tan. So. Absolutely. Um, let's go back to this topic of immunotherapy because I think it's really interesting. So if people are going through that, can it also help with sinus, sinus headaches, you know, runny noses? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So all of the symptoms we talked about, you know, the congestion, the runny nose, the itchy eyes, the sneezing, the cough, the, the post-nasal drip, can help out with that quite a bit. Now there's varying degrees of of mm-hmm. response to this. Some people are 100% better and this is the greatest thing ever. I don't need any medications. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm cured. And there's other people Who still have issues they need to take medications during their bad seasons but you know perhaps they're having fewer sinus infections Mm -hmm. so there's a whole range of responses to this
0: so whenever we talk about allergy shots is this something once people start taking those allergy shots they have to do it the rest of their life
1: so very good question what i typically instruct my patients on is so the initial treatment will typically run anywhere from three to five years Mm -hmm. it depends on how reactive you're at the beginning and what sort of dose we need to start you at we have to start you at a fairly low dose it's gonna take a long time to get up to what's considered maintenance and we like to keep you on maintenance for at least a year and then we wean you off over the next 18 months Mm -hmm. after that so typically a three to five year process now with that people are like well can I miss a shot every once in a while and the answer is yes Mm -hmm. Um, you want to try to stay consistent you can miss a week or two you know if you're on vacation or if you're sick that's fine. But if you're missing a week or two every month, it's probably not something you are going to want to pursue. It's just not very effective in that case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've kind of talked about all the things outside, trees, plants, mm-hmm. um, grass, let's talk about something that obviously makes a lot of us really sad food allergies because oh, we all yeah. enjoy food in different uh, aspects, right? What causes food allergies?
1: So it's the same thing, same type of process that causes environmental allergies. Your body's exposed to a certain, we call it an antigen, mm-hmm. which is, a you know, essentially a protein that your body gets exposed to and you have antibodies circulating in your bloodstream that recognize those as foreign. So what happens is these antibodies attach to this foreign protein and it sets off an allergic reaction. Now with the environmental allergies, which I'm a little bit more adept at because of, you know, uh-huh. where I work up in the sinuses, yep. you know, it causes more nasal congestion, runny nose, sinus problems things like that. Food allergies are a little bit, uh, actually, they're a lot different, and they, they can be unique for everyone. What we typically see with food allergies would be things like GI discomfort, diarrhea, constipation, and, and most often a rash or something called urticaria, which is just a raised itchy lesion that you'll see. And in, and in severe cases, uh, for example, my daughter has a severe tree nut allergy. She ate a cashew and almost died mm-hmm. a couple of years back. Wow. Um, you know, it can cause tongue and throat swelling and, and can be a little bit more severe.
0: What are some of those common food allergies? So you mentioned nuts. What are Mm -hmm. some of the other ones?
1: Um, So kind of something we see a lot of around here lately has been something called alpha-gal. It's uh, an allergy that we believe is induced by a tick bite. Um, What happens is this tick injects a sugar into your bloodstream, which causes your immune system to develop antibodies to this sugar. Well, this sugar is very similar to something you'd see on red meats to include beef, pork, Mm -hmm. deer, lamb, things like that. So... So what happens is when you eat these, you end up with GI discomfort. You can sometimes get some rashes and things like that. So uh, that is a pretty common one. Um, Tree nut and peanut allergies are are very, very common. And there's a whole host of different things. Some people run into issues with, you know, like tomatoes, fruits, things like that.
0: So if people are experiencing food allergies, what's the best, course of action for them should they just immediately cut everything out and then slowly reintroduce those items back in or what does that look like if it's not super severe like nuts or alpha-gal
1: right so this is uh, a big area of research right now Mm -hmm. Um, there was a big study done probably about 10 years ago on looking at kids with uh, peanut allergies Mm -hmm. so what they did is they did a trial where they actually introduced uh, peanuts uh, into these young kids at an early age and what they found is in families that were susceptible to severe peanut allergies, they were actually able to prevent that. So more more research to come on that. But for the most part, things like nut allergies, tree nut allergies, those are typically permanent. That's something you just need to keep out of your diet. Um, kids that have milk or egg allergies, those can sometimes be uh, outgrown. The immune system mm-hmm. out- outgrows that problem. So it's, it's different for all sorts of foods. But what we typically recommend, especially as adults, is if we test you, we typically recommend removing those things from your diet.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, food intolerance is obviously different from food sensitivity, can you kind of explain those differences?
1: Yeah, so you'll hear a lot of things out there and there's a lot of things online. So what I deal with is true food allergies to where you've got a specific antibody circulating in your blood that's going to cause a problem. Um, There's another thing called food sensitivities or food intolerance that can be caused by another mechanism. It's a slightly different antibody that sometimes causes a problem or it's an enzyme deficiency. So you hear people that are, you know, lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. That's not an allergy. You're just missing an enzyme in your Mm -hmm. gut that can't process the sugar in milk. And it leads to, you know, bloating, gas, diarrhea, things like that. So...
0: So, what kind of tests are available to determine somebody has a food allergy and is it different than um, the environmental allergies
1: for our allergy office it is uh, some people perform skin testing for food allergies but it's just not a service we offer so what Mm -hmm. we'll do is we'll do a blood test which we can also do for um environmental allergy testing and what it does is we draw some blood from your arm we actually measure circulating antibodies in your blood to the things you might be allergic to. And Mm -hmm. we can't just do a shotgun approach and, you know, draw your blood and say, hey, these are the things you're allergic to. We look for specific things, Mm -hmm. which makes it difficult because, I mean, how many things are there in this world that you could be allergic to? It's, you know, it's innumerable. Um, So uh, with our biggest food allergy uh, test, we check for 95 uh, different things that we can do.
0: So what are those different types of panels that you're kind of alluding to? So let's say somebody does one panel and maybe they find a couple of things or that they, they don't find anything at all. What's your next course of action?
1: So funny enough, it, it kind of depends on your insurance, honestly, because mm-hmm. certain insurance companies cover uh, mm-hmm. different things. Like I said, our most comprehensive, which is the one we typically like to run just because it's a one and done type deal. Yeah. It checks for 95 different things and it's a whole host of things from fruits, vegetables, meats, um, nuts, things mm-hmm. like that, seafood. Um, or you can do specific seafood panels. You can do specific tree nut panels if that's the only thing you're worried about. We also offer uh, basic food panels which focus in on um, kind of the major things. There may be like a tree nut in there. Mm-hmm. Um, seafood might be in there. So it, it it depends.
0: And can people outgrow food allergies or even if it's not just a food allergy, like food sensitivities?
1: Food sensitivities I'm not sure on. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are certain things that kids can be allergic to that they can't outgrow. There's certain forms of milk mm-hmm. and egg allergies that... that that kids are able to outgrow.
0: And how can patients who want to be seen for allergy issues schedule an appointment with you? What does that process look like?
1: Uh, Not hard at all. All you need to do is call my office and say, hey, I'd like to be seen and and considered for allergy testing. Now, there is oftentimes um, um, a misunderstanding that, hey, I'm coming in for allergy testing. Mm -hmm. Well, we won't test you the first time you see us. We need to talk to you, discuss your allergies, see what's going on, get a sense for what what you truly need. And after our first evaluation, we'll get you set up. With an appointment with our allergy nurses, we'll get you tested, and then you'll see me back to discuss your results, and we can talk about potential treatment plans.
0: I love that you said that because it made me think of another question. So if somebody is experiencing issue, whether it's environmental or mm-hmm. food-related, regardless of whatever it is, what can they do um, if they schedule an appointment with you to come in prepared to have a really good constructive conversation?
1: So if you could keep a journal of your symptoms, when they're their worst, uh, things that have, may have maybe have set you off, because uh, all of that matters, you know if you have a seasonal predominance, we have a pretty good idea of what your problem mm-hmm. is going to be and how we can go about uh, doing that um, for the food allergies, if you keep a food diary of the things you 've eaten, mm-hmm. uh, eaten and what things you 've eaten and when you 've had a response, things like that can be helpful, as well as a list of the allergy medications you may be taking, even the ones that are over the counter that you may not think would be important.
0: Mm-hmm. So whenever you say ones that you think may not be important, what are some of those? Well, I
1: mean, there's a lot of over-the-counter antihistamines. Uh-huh. You know, there's, you know, Claritin, Allegra, Zyrtec, mm-hmm. and there's generic forms of that. And Sudafed's another, another big one. Um, so a lot of the people are either going to the store to buy them or, you know, maybe use their mm-hmm. family members. You don't think about that these sorts of medications that you take can really affect the skin testing that we do. Um, so it's important to know that you're on those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And there's other uh, types of medication that can also affect the uh, the skin response, which, which may be a problem mm-hmm. for testing. So.
0: so let's talk about holistic medicine for a minute. Okay. Um, so neti pots, do you think that those are useful and productive whenever we talk about allergies?
1: Yes, and I wouldn't consider that holistic medicine. Mm-hmm. That's actually a, a well-known treatment therapy for these sorts of allergies. The neti pot is okay. It's kind of messy, a little bit difficult to mm-hmm. use. There's more uh, effective things like uh, the nasal rinse squeeze bottles. There's mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, force behind that. works a little bit better. Um, I can't remember the name of the proprietary one that shoots the fluid in your nose and sucks it oh, back uh, out. But a lot oh, of people like to use that. That makes my nose that. hurt just
0: hearing you yes. explain it. <laughs> well, I, I have a
1: <laughs> bunch of patients that swear by it. So if you think about that, that does a couple of things for you. Number one, all the mucus and congestion that you've built up. That's going to be washed out of your Mm -hmm. nose, and it's also going to clean all all of those pollens and antigens out of your nose that Mm -hmm. are are causing problems. And the good thing with that is you you can't really overdose on that. You can use that as often as you'd Mm -hmm. like throughout the day. Some people don't like it. They feel like they're being drowned or waterboarded with it, but it's a very effective (laughs) treatment.
0: (laughs) Well, you know... I'll leave that one where yeah. it's at. Um, okay, so whenever we talk about holistic types of remedies for allergies, what do those look like and what are your thoughts on them?
1: So there is one, um, there's actually some pretty strong research to, uh, to support it, is uh, eating just local honey. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, your bees collect you know, uh, uh, pollen and, and nectar from all the flora and fauna in the area. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing gets put into the honey, and essentially what you're doing is exposing yourself to these antigens at a, at a regular rate and it's very similar to how um, immunotherapy works so mm-hmm. in a way that can help your immune system out quite a bit so that's one that i know works fairly well there are some other folks that will swear by uh, you know different essential oils and things mm-hmm. like that i'm not a uh hundred percent sure if that works or not but if it works for you by all means continue to do so
0: yeah i know kayla's not a huge um essential oil fan sometimes i'll have one running in my office it's clove i think and it chokes her up every time <laughs> she's, <laughs> actually, she's allergic to it it actually <laughs> makes my nose run it doesn't help <laughs> it's clearing you up is what it's yeah, doing <laughs> all right well dr creedy thank you so much for being here today you, you are always a wealth of knowledge Today we have been speaking with Dr. Brian Creedy, an ENT or ear, nose, and throat physician with the Phelps Health Medical Group. Dr. Creedy is currently accepting new patients, and to schedule an appointment with him, just call 573-364-5719. If you missed part of this show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org.